Welcome to Stories of Rune Terra. My name is Guy Black, or Ravenhood on the interwebs, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Rune Terra by Riot Games. The Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe where stories are rent from the fabric of agony to pierce our souls. Each week, we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra off of the Riot Games universe site. Think of this whole thing as an audiobook of League stories and lore. This week's story, and another fan request, I've got a whole deluge of them recently, so we'll be going through quite a few these next couple weeks, uh, wrapping up our season before the holidays, is Callista, the Spear of Vengeance. And now for my somewhat terrible impression. Turncoats, oathbreakers, and betrayers, we hate them all. An undying specter of wrath and retribution. Callista is an armored nightmare summoned from the Shadow Isles to hunt deceivers and traitors. The betrayed may cry out in blood to be avenged, but Callista only answer those willing to pay with their very souls. Those who become the focus of Callista's wrath should make sure their final peace, for any pact sealed with this grim hunter can only be ended by the cold, piercing fire of her soul spears. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Stories of Runeterra. We had a whole bunch of you guys write in on the answers I have posted here at the Spotify end of things where you can answer different polls and whatnot. I had a couple people touch or I think hit me up on TikTok and then a few of you have been messaging me in Instagram and other all over the place. So thanks for the recommendations for champions. I kind of just pick these willy nilly and what I'm feeling. I'm trying to spread out a lot of the cool champs so that I don't just do everything neat up front and then have nothing to do later on. So uh, thanks again for the suggestions. Thanks again for listening. You're all wonderful. And I hope that you're having an extraordinary time of year. So uh, here we go for the rest of Calista's stories. I've been really enjoying that voice, and I can't tell you why. Anyway, here is Callista. In life, Callista was a proud general, niece to the king of an empire that none now recall. She lived by a strict code of honor, serving the throne with utmost loyalty. The king had many enemies, and when they sent an assassin to slay him, it was Callista's vigilance that averted the disaster. But in saving the king, she damned the one he loved most. The assassin's deflective blade was envenomed and sliced the arm of the queen. The greatest priests and surgeons were summoned, but none could draw the poison from her body. Racked with grief, the king dispatched Callista in search of a cure, with Hecarim of the Iron Order taking her place at his side. Callista traveled far, consulting learned scholars, hermits, and mystics, but to no avail. Finally, 
She learned of a place protected from the outside world by shimmering pale mists, whose inhabitants were rumored to know the secrets of eternal life. She set sail on one last voyage of hope to the almost legendary Blessed Isles. Guardians of the capital city Helia saw the purity of Callista's intent and parted the mists to allow her safe passage. She begged them to heal the queen, and after much consideration, the masters of the city agreed. Time was of the essence. While the queen yet breathed, there was hope for her in the fabled waters of life. Callista was given a talisman that would allow her to return to Helia unaided, but was warned against sharing this knowledge with any other. However, by the time Callista reached the shores of her homeland, the queen was already dead. The king had descended into madness, locking himself in his tower with the queen's festering corpse, and when he learned of Callista's return, he demanded to know what she had found. With a heavy heart, for she had never before failed him, she admitted that the cure she had found would be of no use. The king would not believe this, and condemned Callista as a traitor to the crown. It was Hecarim who persuaded her to lead them to the Blessed Isles, where her uncle could hear the truth of it from the masters themselves. Then, perhaps, he would find peace even if only in accepting that the queen was gone and allowing her to be laid to rest. Hesitantly, Callista agreed. And so, the king set out with a flotilla of his fastest ships and cried out in joy as the glittering city of Helia was revered to him. However, they were met by the stern masters, who would not allow them to pass. Death, they insisted, was final. To cheat it would be to break the natural order of the world. The king flew into a fevered rage and commanded Callista to slay any who opposed them. She refused and called on Hecram to stand with her. But instead, he drove his spear through her armored back. The Iron Order joined him in this treachery, piercing Callista's body by a dozen times more as she fell. A brutal melee erupted, with those devoted to Callista fighting desperately against Hecarim's knights, but their numbers were too few. As Callista's life faded, and she watched her warriors die, swearing vengeance with her final breath. When next Callista opened her eyes, they were filled with the dark power of unnatural magic. She had no idea what had transpired, but the city of Helia had been transformed into a twisted mockery of its former beauty. Indeed, the entirety of the Blessed Isles was now a place of shadow and darkness, filled with howling spirits trapped for all eternity in the nightmare of undeath. Though she tried to cling to those fragmented memories of Hecram's monstrous betrayal, they have slowly faded in all the centuries since. And all now that remains is a thirst for vengeance, burning in Callista's ruined chest. She has become a specter, a figure of macabre folklore, often invoked by those who have suffered similar treacheries. These wretched spirits are subsumed into hers to pay the ultimate price, 
becoming one with the Spear of Vengeance. Hello, friends. I just wanted to give you a quick little trigger warning here just because I know from personal experience and the stories of some of my close friends. I wanted to let you know, trigger warning-wise, there is a pretty intense uh, depiction of someone taking their own life in this particular story. So if that is something you struggle with or could spiral you or trigger you, then I would encourage you to enjoy the biography and everything so far, but skip this story. So again, just want to watch out for you guys, give you the warning. Thanks again for listening, and here's the story. Today's story is entitled Invocation by Graham McNeil. The sword wife stood amid the burnt-out ruin of her home. Everything and everyone that mattered to her was gone, and she was filled with fathomless grief and hate. Hate was all now that compelled her. She saw again the smile on his face as he gave the order. He was meant to be their protector, but he'd spat upon his vows. Hers was not the only family shattered by the oathbreaker. The desire to go after him was strong. She wanted nothing more to, to plant her sword in his chest and watch the life drain from his eyes. But she knew she would never be able to get close enough to him. He was guarded day and night, and she was but one warrior. She would never be able to fight her way through his battalion alone. Such a death would serve no purpose. She took a shuddering breath, knowing there was no coming back. A crude effigy of a man, formed of sticks and twine, lay upon a fire-blackened dresser. Its body was wrapped in a scrap of cloth torn from the cloak of the betrayer. She'd pried it from her husband's dead grasp. Alongside it was a hammer and three rusted nails. She gathered everything up and moved to the threshold. The door itself was gone, smashed to splinters in the attack. Beyond, lit by moonlight, lay the empty, darkened fields. Reaching up, the sword wife pressed the stick effigy into the hardwood lentil. I invoke thee, lady of vengeance, she said, her voice low, trembling with the depth of her fury. From beyond the veil, hear my plea. Come forth and let justice be done. She readied her hammer and the first of the three nails. I name my betrayer once she said, and spoke his name aloud. As she did so, she placed the first tip of the nail to the chest of the stick figure. With a single strike, she hammered it in deep, pinning it to the hardwood door frame. The sword wife shivered. The room had become markedly colder, or where had she imagined it? I... I name him twice, she said, and she did so 
hammering the second nail alongside the first. Her gaze dropped. She jolted in shock. A dark figure stood out in the moonlit field a hundred yards in the distance. It was utterly motionless. Breathing quicker, the sword wife returned to her attention to the unfinished task. I name him thrice, she said, speaking again the name of the murderer of her husband and children before hammering home the final nail. An ancient spirit of vengeance stood before her, filling the doorway, and the sword wife staggered back, gasping involuntarily. The otherworldly being was clad in archaic armor, her flesh translucent and glowing with spectral unlight. Black mist coiled around her like a living shroud. With a squeal of tortured metal, the spectral figure drew forth the blackened spear protruding from her breastplate, the ancient weapon that had ended her life. She threw it to the ground before the sword wife. No words were spoken. There was no need. The sword wife knew what it was being offered to her. Vengeance. And she knew its terrible cost. Her soul. The spirit watched on, her face impassive and her eyes burning with an unrelenting cold fury as the sword wife picked up the treacherous weapon. I, I, I pledge myself to vengeance, said the sword wife, her voice quivering. She reversed the spear, aiming the tip inward towards her heart. I, I Pledge it with my blood, I I pledge it with my soul. She paused. Her husband would have pleaded for her to turn away from this path. He would have begged her not to condemn her soul for theirs. A moment of doubt gnawed at her. The undying specter watched on. The swordwife's eyes narrowed as she thought of her husband lying dead, cut down by swords and axes. She thought again of her children, sprawled on the ground, and her resolve hardened like a cold stone in her heart. Her grip tightened on the spear. Help me, she implored, her decision made. Please, please help me kill him. She rammed the spear into her chest, driving it in deep. The swordwife's eyes widened as she dropped to her knees. She tried to speak, but only blood burbled from her lips. The ghostly apparition watched her die, her expression impassive. As the last of the lifeblood ran from her body, the shade of the swordwife climbed to her feet. She looked down at her insubstantial hands in wonder, then at her own corpse lying dead-eyed in a growing pool of blood upon the floor. The shade's expression hardened, and a ghostly sword appeared in her hand. An ethereal tether, little more than a wisp of light, linked the newly formed shade to the avenging spirit she had summoned. Through their bond, 
the sword-wife saw her differently, glimpsing the noble warrior she had been in life, tall and proud, her armor gleaming. Her posture was confident, yet without arrogance, a born leader, a born soldier. This was a commander the sword-wife would have willingly bled for. Behind the spirit's anger, she sensed her empathy, recognition of their shared pain of betrayal. Your cause is our cause, said Callista, the spear of vengeance. Her voice was grave and cold. We walk the path of vengeance as one now. The sword wife nodded, and with that, the avenging spirit and the shade of the sword wife stepped into the darkness and were gone. Ooh, man, there's so much to kind of unpack in this, but I I do enjoy these ideas of, and we kind of see it in Targon, right? These ideas of like the aspects or entities that embody a human desire or imp like motivation. Though I would say that as much as the story and the satisfaction that we sometimes get from vengeance and revenge is a thing there, I think it is important to note that there's a, a very massive difference between justice and vengeance. And if we allow ourselves to take our, to give up who we are just to get revenge on someone, then I think we're hating a little too much. Doesn't mean I don't like this story a lot. Super eerie. I love the, like, as each, I like the ritual aspect here as a storyteller, like the three nails being driven in. Super cool moment there. I kind of like the way that's like one nail gets cold. Second nail, creature appears on the horizon. Third nail, it's there. That's kind of cool, like that. But I think it's important to remember to that revenge is never worth compromising your virtue and your goodness for anyway thanks for listening appreciate you all and i'll catch you on the flip side